Hello and welcome to another Linguistics Career Cast, the podcast devoted to exploring careers for linguists outside academia. I'm your host, Laurel Sutton. Marina Zhukova is finishing a PhD in linguistics at UC Santa Barbara. During her time in school, both in the US and Russia, where she was born, she has held a number of internships related to linguistics, most recently at Amazon working on Alexa. Marina is skilled in conversational AI, customer research, and product management, and she was selected as one of 60 students out of 1,500 applicants to attend Google's Product Inclusion and Equity Summit. Topics discussed include internships, computational linguistics, informational interviews, LinkedIn, knowledge engineers, Alexa, conversational AI, and international visas. Links to Marina's LinkedIn profile and resources mentioned are in the show notes. I would like to welcome our special guest today, Marina Zhukova, to the podcast. Now, Marina is a little bit different from the people that we normally have on our podcast because she has not yet finished, has not yet um, gone out into the world, but she's had some amazing experiences doing internships. So we're going to find out about that today. So Marina, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Happy to chat today about my career experience. So usually what I ask people to get started is just to talk a bit about their education and um, tell me about how you found out about linguistics. When did you realize that was something you could actually study in school? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think my experience might be a little bit different from people who did go to college in the United States. Mm -hmm. Just for a background, I'm from Russia. And so in Russia, you need to decide your major typically before you apply and you typically cannot change it within the first Mm -hmm like during the college so like you need to make this big decision when you're 17 and when I was applying to college I did not know what I was gonna do but one thing we have in Russia is there's typically a lot of high school competitions and if you win one of these competitions you can enter the university without exams and uh, at expenses of state and if possible like there's a like very low opportunity that you can transfer from one measure to another and so when I started my college, I actually majored in sociology. But mm-hmm. during the first four months, I got a little bit bored because it sounded very, <laughs> it sounded very theoretical. So uh, I started to look for other opportunities, and I always liked languages. And in my like high school, I did a lot of math and physics. So my university in Russia, High School of Economics, they had a program on um, general and computational linguistics and they had the spot so I transferred and it was like very hard because again different system of education in Russia and I had to like pass a bunch of exams within months when I transferred so I can continue study like Mm -hmm. in the same conditions as before and it ended up me learning Python, Latin Spanish and old church Slavonic within like one month. Wow. So I can pass the exam. <laughs> so this is how it all started. Yes. Wow. Amazing. So um, the program itself was computational linguistics, but how did you learn like the basic linguistic stuff? Was there kind of basic like phonology and morphology and, and syntax in there? How did that work? Yeah, so it was both. It was gen- it was both general and computational linguistics. Okay. So we had both classes in like programming, Python. We had like math classes, statistics classes, and at the same time we had several languages. Like for example, I studied Spanish and Czech, and uh, a lot of like just general linguistics. Like we had syntax, we had uh, morphology phonetics, phonology, all of that. And also the program was very much research focused. Mm. So we would have like term papers to write during second, third, fourth year. And during my college experience, I was able to publish a paper in Russian and go to some summer schools and um, conferences as well. Mm. And how long was the program? So it was four years. Yeah, just regular undergraduate program, I guess. Okay. That sounds like a lot to learn in four years, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because like a lot of like my friends and I, we were all 
we all moved to Moscow to pursue our like undergraduate studies mm-hmm. and it's often like Moscow is very expensive and people start to work earlier because it's kind of a little bit different from the United States where like the university is on campus and you live in a dorm on campus we don't have like the campus structure so like it's was like just a different buildings spread across Moscow and a lot of my friends I mean myself included we started to work in industry actually during our college experience so I started I had I found my first internship after my first year of undergrad and then I had a remote job until I graduated and moved to the U.S. as well as doing some other internships that were like not 100% related to linguistics I would say. So um, this is something that comes up for a lot of our guests too is working while you're in school and it sounds like Mm -hmm. that's what you were doing even though um, the it wasn't a huge expense to go to college as it is here for some people. You weren't just in school. You were working that whole time. Yeah, I did work. I, I it was a remote position, so I was able to combine it with school. And lots mm-hmm. of my friends did the same thing. Like, we were, like, all working it was really interesting because like Moscow had a lot of head offices of like big companies. So I would have like friends working in McKinsey and like other consulting oh, wow. companies starting their second year of college. So I think it's a really cool experience to have like friends around and like people around you who are also that motivated. Uh, but yeah, I was working on the company that did uh, text, the automation of text uh, recognition technologies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was doing basically some data annotation for like to facilitate training of the program of the software to recognize different parts of, I guess, parts of speech or like mm-hmm. some name entities uh, for just different clients around the world kind of automate document processing uh and that was the job that was like i was able to do remotely but like i think it was really hard like when you need to like balance like attending lectures and Mm -hmm. uh making sure that you do your work yeah that was that was a very hard experience but i think that it gives you a lot of you know skill development and you better understand how the world works on the industry from the industry perspective however when i moved to the united states the job market here is completely different so it was like i was i had to really learn how it works here in order to like find a internship here for example so um when you finished your four years did you have a, a degree in linguistics or was it computational linguistics I think it was like a BA in general and computational linguistics. Okay. All right. So both basically. Yeah. Yeah. And what made you decide to come to the U.S.? And and were you coming here to go to graduate school or were you just coming here? Yeah. So during my third year of college, I did an exchange semester that was in France in Nice. And during Mm -hmm. that semester, I was like working with a professor on a research project and uh, that kind of laid out in me traveling around Europe because all my friends were doing exchange semesters in different universities as well. And I was like super curious to like learn how linguistic works, not in my own, not only in my home institution, uh, and not only like in the university I had the exchange program, but also like I try to see how they teach you linguistics in different mm-hmm schools countries and so i did several summer schools in europe the summer after my third year before my senior year and uh during that time like first i learned that like all the the very distinguished professors on the summer schools they all have a degree in linguistics from united states so Mm, i figured uh the the education there would be better and also one of my friends just got accepted into a PhD program in economics in Boston. And I had a coffee with her and she told me that like, you can actually study for free. And I had no idea that there are any programs in the United States where someone else can pay for your tuition. And so she explained me that like, if you go to a PhD program, the PhD program, you would usually need to teach or like do some additional research for professors, but you don't have to like pay thousands of dollars as 
in college. So I started to considering uh, applications to the United States. And I ended up, like me and several friends of mine, we were all applying to the like postgraduate education programs mm-hmm. in the United States. So I had a really good group of support of people who were also having like the same timeline on like writing, drafting the uh, program statements, applications, preparing applications, figuring out which universities they want to apply. So I just applied during my senior year and ended up interviewing with UC Santa Barbara Linguistics. And I got the offer, I think, around Christmas. So like by Christmas, I already like secured the PhD program for me. And I ended up moving. Yeah. And then I ended up moving to the US during like two months after I graduated from undergrad. And that was September 2020. So like in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that must have been very difficult. Yeah, it was really weird because, like, I moved to Santa Barbara, but, like, most people from my department were remotely for the whole year, and I left, I I was living on campus, but everything was closed, and, like, you could only go to the library, and I didn't know how, like, the buildings look inside, like, I didn't know how my department looks inside before (laughs) the beginning of the second year, and then this whole Zoom fatigue, I feel like that was really hard, but second, third year, they were, like, way better. So when when you came here to do the linguistics, um, did you know what you wanted to focus on? Like, were you still convinced that you were going to keep doing computational linguistics? Uh, I would say that during my undergraduate degree, my research was focused mostly on theoretical linguistics. I was doing typology and I was doing lexical semantics. So like my research essentially was not very deeply computational. More Mm -hmm. of my like work experience was relevant for someone who does computational linguistics. But and so when I was applying, I was interested in doing the work with co-speech gestures. So I was like super interested in studying how people gesture and like gestural patterns. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like what happens in Russian, what happens in English, how is it different for different languages with different structures. Uh, But at the same time, when I was applying, I had a clear understanding that I would want to work in tech after. Like, so like when Mm. I was applying, I didn't think about like, I feel like most people who end up doing PhD in linguistics, they essentially, like originally their idea is to continue doing like postdoc Mm -hmm. and uh, doing the professor tenure track uh, job track, I guess, Mm -hmm. like the career choice, or they would want to work in community colleges or other teaching related positions. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was completely different because like from day one, I knew that I have a different career path. So I think that's why I like ended up doing the internships and getting all of this experience. Yeah. So do you think that having those internships and working while you were doing your undergrad kind of helped you decide that you didn't want to to stay in academia? Yeah, for sure. Because I think not many my classmates from the university in Russia ended up doing like pure academic careers after they graduated. And yeah, overall, like most of my friends who like worked in finance and consulting, they kind of, I think, influenced my career decisions in mm. the way that I wanted to work in something that would be like innovative, technology related, but like using my skills related to language if I can. That's great. So you've had um, pretty amazing internships so far. How did you find out about them? Um, and what was the process that you went through for, for each of the internships here in the U.S. that you've had? Like, you know, really nitty gritty, you know, um, filling out applications, having interviews. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, I, I think people would be really interested to know what it all entails. Yeah, so I think I did like a lot of preparation for that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like I did a lot of informational interviews and like for a lot of people it was like purely luck or 
like they just knew the right person mm-hmm. and like I don't know I feel like it was like for some people it was like way easier than for me so first thing I did when I started grad school I went to the career center in my university and I had like several sessions with a career advisor to kind of help me I think like my English was way worse when I just mm-hmm. moved to the United mm-hmm. States so I, I think like I and I the interview culture here is so different so like first thing I did I went to a career advisor we kind of looked at my resume we changed it a little bit uh, and then uh, there was the course it was called I think Imagine PhD or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like sponsored by my career the career center in my university. And uh it was just like an online course about figure out how to be prepared mm-hmm. for the job market in the US. And then during my first year I applied to like, I don't know, like 50 plus different positions. But I think it was really hard because when you're an international student and when you're first year PhD student, not many companies would want to consider you as an applicant because you're not a US citizen first. Second, Mm -hmm. uh, you have four more years of program or five more years for other people. And it's not necessary... uh, like they're not necessarily interesting. It's typically like they are one hire someone who is like one or two years from graduation. So right. this internship uh, can be easily converted to a full time role. So after like during my first year, like I interviewed with like some big companies like Spotify, for example, Samsung, but didn't get any offers. But like after my first year, my department had summer funding, so I didn't really need an internship mm-hmm. as itself. And uh, I think it was a really great coincidence that the linguistic career lunch happened in this summer and i was able to attend the career lunch and i also took the class that was about product management for linguists um as a part of linguistics career lunch and i think that gave me a little bit more guidance on what are the different roles are there for linguists Mm -hmm. and uh just like knowing the community of linguists in the US who are in industry and like who you can talk if you need a career advice. Like that was really valuable for me. And Mm -hmm. then I just, at the beginning of my second year, I just did a lot of informational interviews with people from different uh, roles, different companies that I was interested in working. And I continued applying. I ended up interviewing with Facebook and Amazon uh during my second year and i ended up accepting the internship position at amazon alexa in santa barbara office which was really great because my grad school is in santa barbara so i didn't have to move to move for the summer yeah i want to just circle back to what you were saying the the networking part of it incredibly important um I want to push back when you said it was like there were coincidences and you felt like things were lucky. I think that was you making things happen. You know, you were out there, you were working, you were talking to people and making the connections. I really appreciate what you said about uh, employers and when they hire people for internships. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for people to know, as you were saying, what they're really looking for with internships is to sort of test you out, right? So if you turn Mm -hmm. out to be a good employee, they'll want to offer you um, a, a full-time job as soon as they possibly can because they know that, that you can handle the work. So internships are much more likely to go to people who are going to be graduating within a year or so. Um, it's just mm-hmm. better for the companies to do it that way. When you were just talking about doing a lot of informational interviews, how did you find those people? Um, how did you make those connections? Yeah, I was just like setting tons of messages and mm-hmm. for people on LinkedIn. At some point, I hit the limit of how many messages you can send <laughs> in the week. Oh my God, I didn't okay. know it's a thing, but, but yeah, I like I was just like yeah. sending, I like, like you would usually want, like if you have the role in mind or if you have, um, yeah, so like, I guess like if you're doing a PhD in linguistics and if you have a role in mind, you can go on LinkedIn and you can look for people who have a PhD in linguistics or people who have a PhD from your institution and who work in the company of your interest and you just reach out to them, you look at their profile, you personalize the message to them, you schedule an informational interview, mm-hmm. like something like, yeah, let's 
please, would you have time for a quick call in the next couple of weeks at your availability? And then you prepare mm-hmm. a couple of questions for them. Yeah, I did a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, many people have said, uh, as we talk about looking for employment, I think the internship thing is, is kind of the same. It's a job, right? It feels like it's a whole other job. Doing all this research and finding people to talk to, it's not just something that you can um, do when you feel like it. Like you, to get some traction, you really have to put the time and effort into it, which is certainly what you did. So your first internship at Amazon, what were you doing there? So uh, the internship was in Alexa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, the role is called knowledge engineer. And so that was the knowledge engineer summer internship in the Santa Barbara office. Uh-huh. Um, do you want me to like give a quick overview what knowledge engineers yeah, yeah, for, do? Yeah, so for Amazon, what does it mean? I know it's different at different companies. What do they mean by knowledge engineer? So I would say that broadly, knowledge engineer, it's someone who works in um, the organization that has a certain system that needs to have organized knowledge in mm-hmm. it. It can be the system uh, that certain extent powers some voice assistants like um like amazon alexa or siri it can be the system that organizes knowledge for like i don't know food delivery company it can be the system that organizes knowledge for um text recognition technologies so broadly it's like knowledge graph or knowledge bases are just systems uh, where data, like large numbers, large amounts of data are organized in a certain way. And I would say the job of a knowledge engineer is to figure out how to better connect the data within this knowledge base together. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, it, yeah, and it might entail working with different internal softwares for different companies. That was very broad. <laughs> well, no, that was really good. Uh, it sounds to me, when people describe these sorts of things, it always reminds me of some of the things that we learn in linguistics, which is doing things like taxonomies, right? Sorting data, mm-hmm. figuring out what goes where. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that linguists are so good at this type of job is because that's your whole training. Like you were talking about doing research and collecting data. All of that means bringing some kind of order to it. And it sounds very much like that's what a knowledge engineer does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe I can talk a little bit more about like how the internship process is structured, starting from duplication to like how like how long are they and what happens after the internship. Yeah, so to start, uh, if you're applying to a big company, it's better if you have a referral from someone who works in this company so that your resume is not lost in the like big number of people who are applying for a certain job because like lots of like in big companies for example if you're a software engineer and you want to do an internship in software engineering it would be like hundreds of roles within amazon within apple or within google if you're doing linguist focused internship like linguist engineer linguist or um, knowledge engineer or like some other similar positions there's typically not very many teams that are doing this kind of jobs so the competition is really hired so it can be like five or ten interns that would be doing very like linguistic related work mm-hmm. in uh, the role so yeah applying with a referral referral is usually better however for amazon I think for this role, there is no opportunity to apply with a referral. So I just applied and mm-hmm. uh, I had a very quick turnaround between application and the offer. So they scheduled two interviews with me. 
Uh, and those interviews were kind of like a mix of behavioral questions that were tied to Amazon culture of leadership principles. So like if you Google like how to interview at Amazon, you will get a lot of information about it. Mm-hmm. But also like some uh, questions that would be related to how you would approach or analyze problems that would involve data analysis that might be tied to a certain project or a certain role in which uh, the company, the organization is working on. So that's typically, like I had the same process at Facebook as well. So it was just a, a couple interviews, behavioral questions, and then some data, like problem solving data analysis, data analytics questions. And then we, usually within uh, a week or two after the interviews that are typically scheduled within the same week you get the offer or you might be waitlisted and then you wait um but yeah then if you accept the offer it was like a little bit more complicated i guess for me because i'm the international student and Mm -hmm. so if you are an international student you need to have a summer course uh, so you need to like be enrolled in a class during the summer so that it would count as a curriculum practicum training by the university, which will give you the work authorization. Okay. And for example, in my university, I had to pay tuition to be enrolled in this class. And for the fir- like first year I did it, like no one covered it. I had to cover it. So that was like mm-hmm. a little bit frustrating. Uh, but yeah, you need to be signed up for the class. And then internships are typically between 10 to 14 or 16 weeks. I think in tech, I would say it's typically 12 weeks. And you can usually start select the start date out of the range to better accommodate people who are either on a quarter or a semester system. Mm-hmm. And then um, during the internship, I think average like workflow or like the way it's structured it typically depends on the team the organization the role in the product uh, but the way it worked for me last year it was like the first couple of weeks it's just onboarding like you would watch mm-hmm. a lot of trainings you learn about the role you learn about the team you learn about the company culture and then typically you have one or two projects during the summer that you can accomplish and this project can usually are assigned by your manager and they can be like different scope is usually based on the your team needs within this year like if your team is working on the launch of a certain product and they want to get some help building a certain feature uh, of this product it could be typically an intern project for the summer and mm-hmm. uh i think i would say like in big companies as far as i know you typically get a mentor in addition to your manager so uh and also like companies have some affinity groups like for example in amazon there's a women at amazon affinity group so and i know in other companies they also have either like different kinds of affinity groups and typically you can also get the mentorship and support from people in those groups but yeah typically Mm -hmm. like you work on your project meet with your manager mentor every week or bi-weekly and in the end of the internship you have a evaluation meeting with your manager, mentor, you, some companies, in some companies you give a presentation, in some companies you deliver a feature or product. And then based on this evaluation, they like, I guess, depending on the job market, because like last year we all had tech layoffs. So mm-hmm. not in all companies, uh, it was feasible to get a return offer, but typically if you have a one year from graduation and you performed your job well, you can get a returning intern offer and mm-hmm. no returning full-time offer. And yeah. if you have more than one year until graduation, you can get a returning intern offer for the next summer. This is what I got after interning last summer at Amazon and I ended up accepting the offer. So I'm interning at Amazon this summer again. Same team, same office, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, you were saying it's better if you have a referral, but you didn't and you sent in your application. Did they ever tell you or do you feel like the fact that you were multilingual was an advantage for this particular internship? I don't think languages are, I don't know. I don't think that was taking account in it, honestly. 
okay, so they weren't looking for somebody who was multilingual, but I was just wondering if you thought it gave you a little edge over some of the other people that you knew more than one language. I don't think so. I feel like for like in certain companies, if you put in your resume some of your interests or skills, such mm-hmm. as like knowing languages or like if you like certain sports or like art, music, and like if you put this little uh parts of information about you into resume Mm -hmm. uh there is an opportunity like there is a possibility that the recruiters will look at it and just like it's i think it's recommended in certain companies to include some more personal information about you because it shows that you're like all-rounded person Mm -hmm. you also have some hobbies besides your work but i don't think that like unless it specifies like the number of languages or like a specific language needed that is necessary because i know like a lot of linguists like work on you know like indigenous languages or language revitalization so mm-hmm. it just shows i guess that we know patterns about language but that's not necessarily expected right. from you that's really interesting and I, I totally agree with you i i think um one way to make yourself stand out from other candidates is in that section where you're talking about the things you like to do or other talents that you might have and some of that might be built around language right if you've done work with mm-hmm. um, indigenous languages like that's interesting but it could also be that as you're saying you know you play the guitar or you you just do other things i think employers generally want to know about you as a person and that helps them decide that whether you'll be a good employee and being 100% devoted to work all the time isn't really the best strategy in most cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I remember like during the interviews, I would talk about my running experience or my climbing experience. And like if you, they ask you some behavioral questions about like your challenges or like certain like problem solving solutions, mm-hmm. like I would give an examples of like how like during a PhD, I like included 10 like i incorporated into my uh quarter system time to train for like half marathon for example Mm -hmm. like this is there was a good example of like time management or like if they ask you about like problem solving i'm like okay so i'm going to the climbing gym and i was really like working on this problem for a while and i was like trying to achieve it from like different angles and i did like this and this like I talked to some people I went home and like thought about through and then I came back and I was more uh rested and I was able to achieve it and I feel very great about it like these are also like some good examples on how you behave in certain situations Mm -hmm. like for example in sport yeah that's great that's awesome um so when you were working at this internship you, like you were saying, they, they it's not just one. They have multiple internships that are happening. Were there other linguists there doing internships or, or uh, were you the only one? Yeah, last year there was an uh, undergrad linguist from another UC, from UC Irvine. And then there was another PhD linguistics student from Cornell in mm-hmm. this program. Yeah. And uh, all again, and again, during the internship last summer, I like internally reached out to a lot of people in Amazon who had linguistics backgrounds. And I just networked with them a lot internally mm-hmm. and trying to like learn what are some different roles and what were like their career path and it sounds like there's like multiple opportunities for linguists overall in amazon and like internship i think is a good experience to get into yeah that's great so you were networking even after you got the, the job so to speak which is fantastic yeah i i think that's a lesson that everybody can take to heart you kind of never stop right you always want yeah. to be making connections and getting to know other people because you never know when you're going to circle back around with somebody could be a year but it could be 10 years from now and if you had a good interaction you'll probably remember it um so when you finished your internship you got an evaluation which presumably was very positive right they told you you did a great Mm -hmm. job um Mm -hmm. but they also told you you know that doesn't automatically mean you're going to get the next one so did you have to go through the same process of applying or was it shortened because you'd been there before no actually they give you i think it's also like the, it depends on the company it depends on the headcounts for the next summer mm-hmm. uh like for example 
and like in certain companies last year, lots of interns didn't get return offers. So it really depends on the like like when you're applying, you need to think about like how this company is probably going to behave for the next couple of years. Is the product you're going to be in, an intern will still there in the next couple of years. But uh, what I had is I got the returning intern offer maybe like several weeks after I uh, uh-huh. finished my internship and it was just like a matter of like clicking the button accept or decline. Okay. And for me, I was actually like I was not a hundred percent sure if I would be interested in doing a similar internship, but there was a number of factors that kind of combined together and led to the decision for me to accept. First, when you're a PhD student, housing in small cities in California very complicated. Yeah. Housing market in Santa Barbara is crazy. And oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah, and so since I had the apartment for this year I didn't want to move out during the summer and then come back to probably different place. So it was just like really hard to navigate the housing thing. Second, the week when I had the return offer, I had, you usually have a limited number of business days to decide. And there was Uh the week when Meta laid off 13,000 people. And so it's, like, I was not sure if sure. the layoffs will continue <laughs> to happen, how yeah. that would impact the headcounts for internships, because a lot of, like, start dates were delayed. Like, if you look at LinkedIn posts around that time, and it's, like, a lot of uncertainty. So I just decided that I will accept the offer. And I guess the third component was that I really wanted to try a different role within Amazon and I wanted to do something more like science research focused but uh-huh. I got the opportunity so Amazon and Alexa specifically they have the program which is called Alexa Prize and usually every year they launch several challenges for university students uh, you form a team, you join the challenge, the challenge runs for a year or a year and a half. Typically, it's just computer science PhD students, but I reached out to someone in my department because in the computer science department, UCSB, because my university participates in these challenges every year. And uh, I ended up writing the proposal together with computer science students and computer science advisor for Amazon Alexa Prize Social Bot Challenge. And eventually I ended up working on this product since October. So like basically like months after I left Amazon till the day before I joined the internship. And it entailed uh, creation of the bot that can talk about anything for 20 minutes at least with customers of Alexa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it involved, uh, like you, you can Google Alexa price social bots and there is like a lot of information about the competition, but essentially we had a bootcamp in their Boston office. We had like weekly office hours with scientists from Amazon and, uh, the paper will be published in Amazon Science next month. So basically, I got the 10 months experience of working uh, on in the field of conversational AI, like on the product that impacts customers directly. So I thought that I already kind of got the opportunity to have yeah. this science experience and giving to the job market, given that I have two more years of a PhD, so this internship would not lead to a full-time offer. I just decided that it's easier to accept and like because as we mentioned before looking at the job postings preparing for interviews and applying takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. so for this year i decided to like save time for research so that it results to like conferences and additional projects which i think was really beneficial in the middle of a phd Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, balancing all this stuff. It's so funny. People tend to think of graduate school as like, yeah, well, you work really hard a lot of the year, but then you have summers off, right? You're just relaxing and and letting your brain Mm -hmm. not do anything. And it's so not true. You're always doing something and, you know, you're working during the summer. So amazing. So based on all this, do you think you'd go work at Amazon after you finished? And we'll see because this competition, the social bot is still running. I didn't know the results yet. We are like my team is in finals right now. So like once we know the results, 
they like there might be the opportunity to do the applied scientist internship there uh-huh. but i think yeah but i think like the next year the summer would be very well like like because i'm in the international student i won't be able to like intern in the company that would either can provide visa support or will allow me to transition to a different office abroad in the future so like i really need to think about the next year because yeah. it would be next summer would be the year before graduation so i really need to think about like which companies i want to work and apply to and like which positions because it might result in the full-time role as i said like it's the conversion rate is higher because like for example if you apply for like facebook or apple or amazon as an intern you only have two interviews in certain companies it might be just one interview it might be free but like when you're entering for a full-time job it might be like a screen assessment one call technical interview and then mm-hmm. three or four more interviews right. so it's so- it just sounds like doing the internship the year before graduation is a very good experience to avoid the kind of combination of you writing the dissertation during the final year and trying to find the job. Like that sounds really scary and stressful for me. So I'll try to do the internship next summer as well. Yeah. Uh, regarding the company, yeah, I'd be interested to intern at Amazon again. Um, I would not be interested to intern in the same city because I'd like, I have, as I said, like I have a lot of friends who are in either in New York or Bay Area, so I will try to because it's often like like if you get the returning internship, you cannot choose the location, right. you cannot change it, you cannot change the team. Uh, so and I think it's really great to have the opportunity to have another summer in Santa Barbara. But yeah, like I think this next year I'll be like focusing on location and mm-hmm. then like just like how international is the company. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm I'm glad that you keep mentioning um, the things that, as Americans, we don't tend to think about. I mean, I, I know that um, housing is always an issue because it's crazy right now. But having to worry about your visa status is always something there, right? Like that you, you need to consider it. And there are so many parts of it that are out of your control, right? Like when the government decides that they're not going to have as many visas as they used to. And we have an election coming up in 2024 and nobody knows what's going to happen after that. So um, for you, many more issues to think about. And and that's been true for some of the other folks we've talked to who aren't U.S. citizens too. So um, yeah, just more, more pressure on top of it. Um, So we've talked a lot about work. What are you doing in school? Like what, what, what is your specialty in your program right now? So I'm doing different things because it's like, I guess like I applied to grad school because I wanted to learn more about linguistics and I wanted to... Yeah, <laughs> as, as did we all. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and because like when you join full-time job in the industry, you don't have that much freedom to explore different areas and like mm-hmm. explore different research yeah. questions so now i, I kind of work in like different directions i uh, do some computational linguistics i study how people use and interpret emoji in oh, communication uh-huh. cool. and recently i did the eye checking study where i kind of like because of this work with conversational ai and alexa I am now more interested in like the conversation from like large language models and chatbots perspective. So the recent eye tracking study that I did was about like I made people basically chat with ChatGPT and I track their eye movements to mm-hmm. see what happens, like how what are like the conversational patterns of chatting with uh, language models, and uh, I also do some work on. Inclusive language, um, we're currently working on the project on um, best practices of asking uh, sex and gender information in linguistic studies and yeah, do some other, I don't know, I'm just like all over the places a little bit, because I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to do the postdoc probably because I want to work in industry, so I should mm-hmm. like explore all the interests, but at the same time, um, 
I'm also trying to do work towards like educating people about internships in linguistics, like including this podcast. And for yeah. the upcoming LSA meeting in January, I am co-organizing um one of the organized sessions mm-hmm. that just got accepted last week. We're gonna invite several people who interned in companies to talk about basically how to get internship in linguistics in different job sectors. I, I heard about that. Um, Alex Johnson was telling me, uh, one of the uh, linguistics career launch organizers and also uh, heads up the program at Georgetown. So that that's an awesome session. I don't think the LSA has ever had a session like that before. So you guys are, are bringing something totally new. It's fantastic. Yeah, because it's kind of like... I remember there was this session about how to get your first job in industry, in the linguistics career launch. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is really important. And then at UCSB, we have this conference that is called Beyond Academia, where students typically organize the conference for like people for PhD students to learn about careers in different sectors. And so like during my second year, I co-organized the panel about like how to get the first job in industry, but like for like PhD students in my, in my university. And it was like not only tailored to linguistics, but like for different industries. Mm -hmm. And from there I was like, okay, we should probably organize something like that at the LSA because that seems really important, especially for internships, because it sounds like a lot of people start to think about the transition to the industry, like closer to graduation. But I feel like a lot of people because like you know like a lot of people start a phd after a master so like some experience in the industry or some experience in teaching and they already have a lot of skills that can be used during the internship so i feel like it's really important to like tell people about that opportunities i remember when we found out about that program it's so cool so i have um one question for you which is just uh, a thought experiment if, if an employer came to you, like say it was Amazon or another company, and said, we offer you a full-time job, say next year, you don't have to finish your PhD or anything. We just want you to work. And they offered you a really good position. Would you do it? Would you leave before finishing the PhD if it was a really good job? No, because of the immigration rules. Oh, I would not be allowed to do that because... Oh. Once you graduate, you need to like apply to like it's a really complicated procedure yeah. like to get your work authorization for a year after graduation. So it's like like I'm not the U.S. citizen, so no. Right, right, okay, all right. <laughs> not possible. So let let's let's pretend that that wasn't an issue. I'm just really trying to. Um, I I'm really interested in this idea about whether people think you have to get a PhD or not, and I think it depends a lot on what kind of industry you want to go into and some positions definitely require a PhD but like I said if if the immigration status wasn't a thing over your head is it really important to you to finish that PhD or would you leave if you had a great job waiting Mm, I think for me it's important because I get to explore a lot of different projects and I think like this Uh time is like it's a really cool time to explore Uh, I guess Probably if I grew up in the United States, I would probably not do a PhD just because like you can just get a master's and have the, or like you can just go to college and graduate and have the same job as someone with a PhD. But for me, um, in my university, we have a really cool program that is free for PhD students. And it's essentially a graduate certificate in technology management. So you can like take classes that I would say are MBA level, but like for free for in the UR taking these classes among other PhD students, which is really cool because like I took, I just finished this certificate in June and I was able to take classes in like finance, marketing, entrepreneurship, mm. business and strategy. And I oh, think that's like, fantastic. yeah, this is like a, an additional application of like you just like look at your skills as a researcher yeah. like from the position of like okay like maybe you can like do your own startup or like maybe you can be a manager of researchers like i think 
that was a really cool training that I was also able to get. And I was yeah. really grateful that I had this opportunity as well. That's amazing. I, it's funny that you say that. I was just talking with someone a couple of weeks ago about the fact that universities really should have classes like that, right? For for students who would like to get jobs outside of academia, like just some basic business classes so that you can think mm-hmm. about your skills and what you'd like to do from a slightly different perspective so that when you do go into industry, you're not baffled by the the terms that get yeah. thrown around and you have just a basic understanding. So that's a really fantastic thing. How cool is that? That's great. Yeah, that was really cool because I think like when you started working, like during the internship, like not all your coworkers would have a degree in linguistics. They would all come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I think like taking those classes where like I would be the only linguist, but at the same time, there'll be people who are doing their PhDs in like computer science, electrical engineering materials, bioengineering, music communication, like it just gives you... Yeah. a better perspective on like how to do teamwork mm-hmm. with people who are coming from like very different background from yourself like I feel like yeah. that was a very cool experience and also like as linguists I feel like we often do work by ourselves not necessarily mm-hmm. like lab based like for example in computer science like to write a publication you are typically co-authoring is it with like several mm-hmm. more people or like same in like physics or biology but like we typically do a lot of solo work so i feel like those was that was like a really good training for me personally mm-hmm. to kind of prepare for the future jobs yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, knowing how to work in teams, super important. And you don't always get that training in mm-hmm. graduate school, right? As you say, you're often working by yourself. But boy, you always need to learn to work with a team when you're working mm-hmm. at a company. You're never working on something by yourself. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So you have a bright future ahead of you. I'm sure we're going to come back and talk to you after you graduate, because I really want to know what kind of career you're going to go into. Is it okay if I put up your LinkedIn profile and uh, people contact you if they want to ask for advice or have questions? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then they'll say organized session in January. Yes, I will definitely (laughs) put a a link in. I I am not sure... um, what's going to happen to all the sessions after they're done, but um, maybe we'll be able to have a recording of it available for people. Cause I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I think we could possibly do that and like make it as a part of this. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Like as you did with the six career lunch, I think that would be great. Absolutely. If we can, we definitely will. We'll have to see what the LSA says. So um, those are all the questions I have. Thank you so much for taking all this time to share your journey with everyone and to go into such fine-grained detail. I think stuff like that is so helpful to people. And I will put links in the show notes for a lot of the stuff that you mentioned so that people can find things easily. But again, thank you, Marina. Thank you for your time. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, of course. Happy to share my experience. Linguistics Career Launch 2021 was a one-month intensive program intended to familiarize linguistics students and faculty with career options beyond academia in business, tech, government, and nonprofit organizations. Videos of all our recorded sessions are available on our YouTube channel. LCL 2021 was organized by Nancy Frischberg, Alexandra Johnston, Emily Pace, Susan Steele, and Laurel Sutton. You can get in touch at linguisticscareerlaunch at gmail.com.